today's episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after this. This is Eric Woods. I'm the host and executive producer of Cinematic Sound Radio, a podcast network that celebrates the music from film, TV, and video games. We feature some of the greatest music to ever grace the small and big screen from as far back as the classics of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. The Silver Age retro scores of the 60s and 70s. And all the way through to the 80s, 90s, and the modern-day classics of the 21st century. The Cinematic Sound Radio Network has a wide variety of music to satisfy your soundtrack sweet tooth, including The Flagship Show, hosted by yours truly. Take a journey into the film, TV, and video game music of the past in the archive, or find rare and hard-to-find recordings with obscure scores. David Casina interviews some of your favorite composers in Composer Conversations. Discover the music of Japanese animation in the Anime Spectacular Show. Listen to a diverse range of scores, old and new, on Filmic. Soundtrack Alley offers a deep analysis of a single film and score. We play some of your favorite video game music on the one-up beat and celebrate music from horror films with Score to Death Radio. So that's Cinematic Sound Radio. Find us through your favorite podcatcher and at cinematicsound.net. Today is your own birthday? What are the chances? Okay, well, let's celebrate that then. Let's celebrate your own birthday with a cup of tea and part two of our look at Alice in Wonderland on today's That Song from That Movie. in a pineapple under the sea sponge 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 square pants yeah you seem very confused by that <laughs> well i've never got one right before so <laughs> thank you for joining that song from that movie the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs i am your curiouser and curiouser host dietrich and today we're joined by careful he's stark raving mad <laughs> alex yeah yeah be careful <laughs> just be careful yeah just just be careful even listening to me uh, can cause a form of madness within yourself. So um, just be careful. I must remember to put those warnings on at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We can't get in trouble about that again. They always say one is bad, one is sad, one is mad. Yeah, that, is that us three? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd rather be mad out of those three. Well. Unless it's bad like, you know, like the, the the Michael Jackson. But but not in the way that he was bad, but in the in the song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that type of bed. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, and he's tired of being only three inches tall, Ben. Still waiting on that growth spurt. <laughs> my mum says any, any year now. Apparently 30s is where it really happens. That's, yeah, that's that's when you get that growth spurt. Really kicks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So welcome to part two of our look into the songs of Alice in Wonderland. If you've uh, for some reason clicked this one first, 
go listen to the part one first. That seems odd that you'd pick part two first. Yeah, go now. You do it. Ben was the one covering these songs, so Ben, over to you. Lovely stuff. So yes, we have covered uh, one song, uh, and there are 14, of which many I will rush through. And are you ready for it? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, Locked so and loaded. after we have covered... Oh no, we've covered two songs, right? We've covered two songs so far. And one deleted song. It was just so forgettable that you forgot about it. Oh yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we did actually, didn't we? Moving on. We're moving on. We're two down. We've got 12 to go through. Okay, so once we have been introduced to Alice, a random rabbit, the white rabbit, runs across screaming about how he's late for something, I don't know, to which Alice follows him down the rabbit hole into Wonderland. He sings a apparently, which is a song, I'm Late, I'm Late, which you two remembered. I think most people sort of remember it. Apparently it has like three verses, but I think it's because he sings them throughout the film and in the album, which wasn't released, I don't think, until many, many decades later in the US. Put those verses together, which is a bit cheating, really. Yeah. Anything to say? No? Fantastic. Okay, so we're then gifted various segments, and as we've said, Alice in Wonderland is incredibly... (laughs) Uh, it's a segmented film. We have various run-ins with random residents of the land. There is a dodo bird, which sings the song Sailor's Hornpipe and the Caucus Race. Terrible song. Don't even bother listening to those ones. While a shrunken Alice is swimming in a sea of her own tears. Nothing is memorable here. That is my notes. Anything to say? No? We are so going to get Twitter comments from people asking why we didn't cover them properly. I'll tell you why. Because they're naff. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to say for them. We've covered them in our sort of descriptions of the other songs, basically, that they they serve a purpose. They are filler, not killer. They are no big songs. And some of them are very much like there's a verse, and then that is narrative speaking, goes back to the screenplay, and then it kicks back into the song. And they're so sort of broken and like all over the place. It helps fit in with the sort of chaotic nature of this land. Um, this Feywild of a sort, but yes, they are not memorable. And if anyone wants to argue with me, my name, uh, you can speak to me at at, at it's Dietrich on uh, Twitter. <laughs> you couldn't even plug our own Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, yeah, Christ, we don't want to talk to us. Yes, then Alice runs into two red-haired Boris Johnson lookalikes in Tweedledee and Tweedledum um, as they sing, <laughs> "How do you do?" and shake hands sung as if someone has attempted to teach them the appropriate way to introduce themselves to strangers. I was aware of this song. I knew all the words to this song. And yet I still don't really have anything else to say on it. I had a Disney sing-along VHS in which this song introduced uh, the Unbirthday song. It's like two and a half verses. There's nothing other than it repeats how do you do and shake hands, state your name and business. That's it. I loved it as a child. I don't Give a damn about it now. What else do you want me to say? Thank you, next. Yeah, we're moving through, we're moving through. Now, this is this is an interesting song. And I didn't ask you guys that we were going to talk about it just because um, it was it's very all over the place. So Tweedledee and Tweedledum then regale the tale of the walrus and the carpenter, which is, I think, probably the best scene in the film. Do you remember this scene? No. No. <laughs> cool. Clearly it's memorable. So basically, um, a walrus and a carpenter are on the beach looking for um, like clams. Um, they go to want to cook them together, and the walrus just eats them all. The song's um, it's based on a poem that's in the book by Lewis Carroll, uh, and each verse is framed as like a is it a limerick where it's like lines one, two, and five rhyme, um, and three and four. 
Oh, is it a, what do you call them? It's like when it's a stanza, but I don't know how you... As in, like, there once was a man from Nantucket. Yes, yes. You know, that lines one, two, and five rhyme, and lines three and four rhyme. There once was a woman from Keeling who had a peculiar feeling, and I will alert Bridget Jones for the rest of that. <laughs> is it called a limerick? I don't know if it's specifically a limerick. Come on, Alex, you dumb books. Well, it's just, it's just, it's just a rhyme. That's just the rhyme scheme of the poem. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a limerick. Hang on. You consulting your uh, rhyme? I don't know. Dictionary. No, I'm just looking at limerick rhyme scheme. Uh, no, so limerick rhyme scheme will be a a b b a. So one, two, and five rhyme, and three and four rhyme. Yeah, that's it. That's a limerick. Yeah, so that's yeah. just the rhyme scheme. But it, but but you call it you you say a a b b a. So all the lines that are a rhyme. All the lines that yeah. are a rhyme. I know things. I know things. I did my research. Don't doubt me, Alex. Next time. No, I well, I didn't doubt you this time. <laughs> I just genuinely did not know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Dee's got my back. Yeah, yeah, limits <laughs> and such. <laughs> you, you were too quiet for too long there, Dee. I was too busy reading the Wikipedia article about limericks. <laughs> for the next time it comes up, so you're uh, more, more well-versed. Uh, no pun. Um, so, yes, once she's ran into the Tweedledee and Tweedledum, Alice continues on, meeting more and more individ- uh, unusual and unique creatures. She gets stuck in a house. She grows incredibly large, to which the dodo returns, singing a song, Smoke the Blighter Out, which could easily be some sort of um, sort of very nationalist chant. Um, it's in a very British poppycock voice. But interestingly, one fact that I do have about this song, or this character, the same person who does the voice of the, do- the dodo, this very British poppycock it's like a sort of an upperclassman voice. It's the same person who does the white rabbit, which is a big difference in oh. sort of skill. <laughs> Are you going to say one of the cards? No, yeah, yeah. Bill, uh, Bill Thompson, he was apparently a very gifted radio comedian, radio presenter of the time, uh, who clearly had a way with accents and dialects. Um, because, yeah, that is a, that is a shift. So I'm doing that really gruff voice to doing... I, I can't even do the sort of white rabbit. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt that. Okay. Rushed for a few. I'm going to take a pause and actually do a little bit more of a deep dive because the next song up is one we are a bit more interested in, which is this song, All in the Golden Afternoon. So it's performed by Catherine Beaumont, again playing the role of Alice, uh, as she sings alongside the Flowers of Wonderland. And this one's found its way into many Disney compilations over the years. Now. Do you know why I picked this song out? Because personally, it's a bit of a mess song. No, I was wondering why you picked this one. Because all I've put is it's a bit Bambi-esque. Yes, actually, that's a really good pick. D. I got really strong Christmas vibes from this one. Mm, I can see that. Almost like it's the June version of It's Beginning to Look a Like Christmas. It's the June version. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, it's beginning to look a lot like June. Yeah, I just want to clarify it. I did say the the month June then. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, I didn't, I didn't I think didn't anything think else. Until you clarified it. No, the reason I've picked on this song is nothing to do with the song. Because All in the Golden Afternoon is the name of the sort of preface poem in the book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. It's the poem that comes to mind when apparently um, Lewis Carroll was on the boat trip from Oxford to Godstow with the three Riddell sisters, of which one was Alice Pleasance. 
who was ten at the time. So in the book, the sort of opening is a poem called All in the Golden Afternoon, of which the song is based on. So a few lines from the song is taken from this poem, which basically captures the tale of this boat trip, which in which the sort of book came about. Uh, apparently Lewis Carroll felt that the book would be too scary for children, so he had to include this poem to sort of alleviate that, to kind of bring a bit more of a, a grounded sense to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can see why children will be scared of this story. <laughs> and especially because the, the, the normal version has like dragons and shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> dragons and shit. Is that the LSD talking again, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't have the they don't have the Jabberwocky in the in in the cartoon. Uh, no, they don't. And there was a song about the Jabberwocky, which yeah. they deleted from the film as well. And yeah, I don't know what is the most scary element of the film. Whether it's the sort of psychedelic darker parts, or it is just the Queen of Hearts <laughs> with her sort of <laughs> yeah. decapitation fetish. Yeah, I think it's probably the latter. The fact that she will just drop your head off for no apparent reason. Uh-huh. You want to hear the poem? Yes, they shout. Yes. Okay. But do it in double speed. Right, imagine you're imagine you're on the river, sat opposite. I don't know, should you be imagining yourself sat opposite Lewis Carroll, Alex? <laughs> is, is that dangerous? I do. I, I think it depends how old you are. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all in the golden afternoon, full leisurely we glide, for both our oars with little skill by little arms applied, while little hands make vain pretense our wanderings to guide. Ah, cruel three in such an hour beneath such dreamy weather, to beg a tale of breath too weak to stir the tiniest feather. Yet what can one poor voice avail against three tongues together? Ugh. Imperious prima flashes forth her edict to begin it. In gentler tones secunda hopes there will be nonsense in it. While Tertia interrupts the tale not more than once a minute. Faster, faster, faster. Anon to sudden silence one in, in fancy they pursue. The dream child moving through a land of wonders wild and new. In friendly chat with bird and beast and half believe it true. And ever as the story drained the wells of fancy dry, and faintly strove that weary one to put the subject by, the rest next time, it is next time, the happy voices cry. Thus grew the tale of Wonderland, thus slowly one by one, its quaint events were hammered out, and now the tale is done, and home we steer a merry crew beneath the setting sun. Alice, a childish story take, and with a gentle hand, lay it where childhood's dreams are twined in memory's mystic band, like pilgrims withered neath the flowers plucked in far-off land. Now do it, Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> there was a very modern of a modern major general, and so on. So it's kind of like a preface to the story, then, isn't it? It is. That's what, exactly what it is. It's a preface. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, don't worry, it's not real, kids. That's <laughs> <I> weird. <laughs> <laughs> but Lewis is coming out to get you. <laughs> yeah. The monsters in the story are not real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind the page. But the one on the boat. You don't want, <laughs> you don't want that last page to close. Okay, anything else you want to say about that? I think you said it all. I have said uh, plenty and need a drink Literally. of water. Uh, okay, and back to the story. Skipping forward over many more boring songs. Uh, the Caterpillar does his ow, which is how I pronounce A-I-O-U, I think. <laughs> uh. Have you not seen that video on YouTube? A guy who does let a vowel and he just says, how do you pronounce it together? It's just a ow. <laughs> Uh, apparently, the Cheshire Cat sings a tongue called Twas Brillig, um, which he does, which is, again, um, insignificant, inconsequential. Although the Cheshire Cat is a fantastic character. So then we get into what is, in my opinion, the best song, the most notable song, even though you guys did not remember it, which is the Unbirthday song. 
uh, performed in the film by the Mad Hatter and the March Hare. Before I give some factoids, what do you guys think of this one? So I think this is uh, it's a fun song and uh, it's a bit of an earworm as far as I'm concerned. I think what I enjoy most about this song is how, uh, well, despite us, the audience, knowing this, this is a fully scripted and rehearsed song, it retains that sort of chaotic energy of improvisation. Yeah. And it carries it all the way through to the end of the song. It, it genuinely feels like the March Hare and the Mad Hatter are just riffing on, on the concept of an unbirthday that they've just been given by the audience to try to figure out. Yes, yes. Yeah, it just really feels like it's met up on the spot, and uh, that's a, a, a credit to whoever wrote this song and the way it was performed. But yeah, I, I, com- I completely agree. Definitely. It's, the, I guess, the sort of, the you know, a very merry birthday to me, to who, to me, oh, you. That sort of back and forth, it's very uh, jovial. Yeah. I don't really have anything more to add, actually. I think you, you've really nailed it there, Dee. Thank you. It's kind of, it does... I'll put in an applause sound of... here. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> that, that, was, that was me trying to make applause. I should have just done, like, the... The sheer, the sheer above. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it just it just really works with the the scene and like yeah, like you say, like it just feels really chaotic and random, and um, they've somehow managed to encapsulate that lyrically and also musically. So I think it I think it really works. I, I do the characters of the Mad Hatter and the Hare do they actually feature much beyond this scene in, in this no. film? No, because I felt they made such a big deal of them, didn't they? In the um, the the Tim Burton ones, like the Mad Hatter, obviously played by was played by Johnny Depp, so they had to make it a bigger part. But it's like very integral to the story. Whereas in this, I feel like they just weren't. I can't maybe. remember some some characters get summoned by the queen at the end. I feel at the in the core. Oh, yeah. they do. Yes, because then they say the yeah, queen because the queen's got an birthday. Um, and yes. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, in general, like I say, it, it's that sequential element of the film, which I guess the imagine is like the books in that it's just kind of like every page is kind of a different story, which fits with how Lewis Carroll told the stories. I guess in just sort of fits and starts um and i guess alice in wonderland the tim burton version is trying to make it a uh, a narrative with a kind of the three-act structure which to me doesn't work <laughs> i really enjoy the part at the end where the dormouse uh, floats down with a little umbrella into the cup and then they put a lid on the cup <laughs> the dormouse is fantastic question here guys where does the phrase mad as a hatter come from Oh, it comes from the lining of inside of hats was made of like lead or yes. something, and it used to send people crazy. I think it was mercury. I think yeah, mercury. Maybe mercury it used to send. Uh, yeah, they used to think it might uh, make people mad, which it probably did because it's poisonous. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think hatters. I guess the sort of frequent exposure to it. Yeah, they would often go uh, a bit insane. Um, but uh, Lewis Carroll seems to have sort of coined the term. Uh, Mad Hatter and uh, trademarked it by Bendy. <laughs> I don't know much history around the um, March Hare. No idea. I don't know what that means. Scottish? Scottish? <laughs> I, I don't know that either. Well, we've all got an unbirthday. Uh, I like the concept. I yeah. just think it's a very sort of, you know, I don't know how you describe it, but it, it, I don't know. It's just as a as a as uh, an event, a term, what it means. I think it's just quite interesting and very fitting to the world and the sort of light-heartedness um i just find it enjoyable as stupid as it is because that's a lot of presents so apparently uh march hair weirdly comes from the phrase as mad as a march hair oh makes sense yeah mm, he was onto something this lewis carroll <laughs> you know what he's doing so, so he's essentially taking the two from 
as mad as a hat. Yes. Yeah. And as mad Makes as a match. Yep. And just yeah. <laughs> and Dormouse. My favorite my favorite scene in the film comes in this scene, which is um when <laughs> the white rabbit runs through and the uh, Mad Hatter tries to fix his his watch. He basically just takes it apart, pours like sand and sugar in it, just takes pieces out. Um I for some reason I just find it absolutely hilarious. Um <laughs> because it's just it's the chaos the chaotic energy that they breed and just like such self assuredness um that they're doing right and there's no wrong to it. Um which is probably also why I don't like the Tim Burton film because I, I prefer that they are just pure chaotic beings. Yeah, there's no like darker edge. With no rhyme or reason to them, no. They are just yeah. in almost in like a sort of a purgatory state of never ending tea. <laughs> Keep changing places. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Change places. I did. I did. There is. There is actually a really nice animation in this as well, where the March Hare pours out of a teapot, a saucer, oh, yes. a yeah. cup, and then tea and sugar. <laughs> and two lumps of sugar. Yeah, yeah, and sugar lumps land on oh. top. Yeah, and I thought that was really nice. Brilliant. Fantastic. American listeners, this one's for you. Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the US Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send and you'll get exclusive discounts on postage from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop-off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shopping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with the promo code POD, you'll get special offer that includes four-week free trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in POD. That's stamps.com. Promo code POD. Stamps.com. Never go back to the post office again. We're flying through. There's only two more songs. The next one's called Very Good Advice, which is a song sung by Alice. Um, it's kind of this moment where she realises, oh shit, maybe I'm not going to get out of here. Which she thinks of for all of like two and a half <laughs> verses. And then she's back to her um, confidence. Uh, there's nothing again it's a completely meh dull song i feel this could have been a moment where they fit in something you know bigger there's a bit more of a an emotion to be played with whereas the film has very little emotion because there feels like there's no stakes like the, the 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 connection through it is just she's chasing the white rabbit there's nothing else really it's just this kind of is that i might not get home there could have been an element maybe affixing it to more to the uh Wizard of Oz connections that I feel could have had a better song, could have had something of more substance. Um, but it's not. It's pants. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> pants. And then it finishes. Uh, we bookend the songs of Alice in Wonderland with the song "We're Painting the Roses Red," which is <laughs> again. Is this the last song of the film? It's the last song. Yeah, there's no. Oh, it, it just ends on the same note as it's kind of hit all the way through. I mean, it's the, it's a song in which Alice stumbles upon uh, three playing cards, painting the roses 
of the Queen of Hearts red because they accidentally planted white ones. Uh, and she does not like that. Um, and we all know what will happen to those she does not like. What do you guys think? Well, it's obviously, as as proud of Yorkshireman, it's quite painful to watch them paint white roses red. <laughs> yep, I've written in my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, the, that was my main takeaway. The second one was it felt like they were trying, and I, I mentioned Dumbo earlier, but it felt like this turns into like a stripped down version of Elephants on Parade at the end. <laughs> So I don't know if that's kind of what they were going for. It's still, it's not as weirdly in, in what this film is and kind of what they've done throughout it. It doesn't hit the same psychedelic craziness that Elephants on Parade does actually, uh, which I think is a bit of a misstep because they, I feel like if they were going for it, they should have taken it further. But I kind of enjoyed the scene. I kind of enjoyed them throwing. I mean, they somehow managed to launch the buckets of paint onto the tree, but none of the paint goes on the tree. Or which, on Alice. Or on Alice or anywhere. Um and as she, well, she should be. She should look like Carrie <laughs> by the end of this scene. <laughs> well, there was sort of a dark moment where one of the cards says, "Like chop off the head and just like stripes uh, um, the red paint across the neck," <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I thought was maybe a, a bit risque in a children's film. But yes, it's there. She, she'd raise a fuss, and each of us would quickly lose his head. Yeah. So I kind of enjoyed watching the scene back <laughs> just for that. But um, yeah, I felt like they could have taken it further if they were trying to kind of put it on a level with something like Elephants on Parade, which it felt to me like they were doing towards the end of the song. I also did get quite strong Elephants on Parade vibes from this song, but I also, stronger than that, <laughs> got I've Got a Golden Ticket from Willy Wonka. Ah, uh, yeah, I could, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm on that line of thought. Like It seems to be the exact same sort of bounce to the song. Yeah, yeah. I I couldn't tell if I was listening to that or painting the roses red when I was uh, thinking. Oh, I remember this one. Do you remember this song, or do you actually just remember a completely different song from a completely <laughs> different movie? Uh, yes, no, no. I'm 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 going with that line of thought definitely. I something I learned was that the original book apparently um, Queen Victoria was a huge fan of, whereas I'm pretty sure <laughs> the Queen of Hearts is her. Yeah, I think so. Visually, definitely so. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know the connection. Is the Queen of Hearts in uh, Alice in Wonderland, or is it in Alice? What's the, what's the sequel? Through the Looking Glass. Uh, through the Looking Glass, Through the Looking Glass. And uh, the dragons and shit? <laughs> is that Alice, Alice and Dragon? That's when he went really downhill. He was fully on the ketamine by that point. <laughs> <laughs> Alice and dragons and shit. I would not have liked to have been on that boat ride. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me more of those sort of like hover boats on the bayou. That's the kind of stories you'd be saying that, not not going from Oxford to Thursday or whatever it was. Yeah, like I say, it just again, it just fall, it just ends. Like there's not, you know, obviously there's a scene coming. There's no real importance to any of the songs in this film, as we kind of summarise and bring us to the point of summarising. Because I agree, the best songs are kind of the fun ones. I do maybe have sort of a slight soft spot for uh, in a world of my own but yeah it's just they're all kind of fun and light and by far personally the worst soundtrack we've covered so far disney wise yeah i, think, I wouldn't especially percentage wise disagree with that no because i feel like every other one at least has had ones that really stand out song i thought this one really didn't for me and i think like you say like none of them are really songs <laughs> only, only maybe the first two—the opening one and the the uh, 
the world's my own one, the West Life number. Um, they're the only ones that really feel like true songs to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you guys think, but yeah, I mean, the only one I think that maybe I would put on a lower level would be Bambi, but I mean, we've been through it already. Yeah, I'd still say like of the best songs of each of those, Drip Drip Drop, Little April Shower, it's a better song. Oh, it's a better song than any of these, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Top five. Okay, so top five. As we have referenced various times in this podcast, there was a Tim Burton release of this film, of which there have been many live CGI remakes of Disney films. And I want to know from you guys, what are the top five live action remakes of Disney films according to Rotten Tomatoes? So we're going on critic score. So of the film so far, of which I think up to date, there is 18 live action remakes. There's 18 live action remakes of Disney. Yes, films. some of them uh, I'd argue, but yeah. yes, there's been 18. So not don't just say these out. Yeah. I want you to try and order them since there's so few. I've not seen that many. Uh, well, my first instinct is that 101 Dalmatians is the number one. Oh, because that was like the original sort of live action remake, wasn't it? Yeah, like the one with Meryl Streep. Glenn Close. No, no, Meryl Streep. <laughs> I don't know that one. I don't, I, you might be the only person <laughs> who's seen that version. Um. Yeah, so that might be a good shout. Glenn Close is the most attractive woman named Glenn. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. The only person I could think of there was, was the former Newcastle manager, Glenn Roder. The most attractive woman named Glenn. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that was it. That was the only other person I could think of named Glenn. I think he's a line in like Family Guy or something like that, or Simpsons. Um, okay, what else was there always? I'm trying to think which ones I've seen. I've seen the Beauty and the Beast one, which was passable. I've not seen the Lion yeah. King one, but there was a lot of problems with that one. Lots of people were like saying it was really weird to look at. Yeah, it, I've only ever seen clips of it, and I couldn't bring myself to watch the full film because it looks so odd. Are these so? So when we say are these actually like the official? So they don't have to be like the remake. Disney ones, but they are live action remakes. So for example, like the Tim Burton ones, they fall into this, even though they're not made by Disney. They are Disney. No, sorry, sorry. Yes, no, that's my that's my mistake. Um, then not this sort of revamped re- versions. You know, it's kind of like a slight uh, sort of changing of the story. Yeah, but we're not talking like stuff like Maleficent, where it's kind of like so. Yeah, Maleficent counts. Yes, things like that because it's kind of remaking. Oh, does yeah, it? That's oh, so it's okay. re- that's what I'm trying to reference of like remaking of. All right, okay, so get that in there. So that's that's probably in there. <laughs> yep, Jungle Book I think was well received. The Jungle, well, there was two versions, weren't they? Because there was the non-Disney version and there was the other version. Oh yeah, Mowgli. But the Dis- the Jungle Book one was was actually really good. I thought when I watched that one. So I would put that. I personally would put that one in there. There's, there's two Jungle Books. There's the Jungle Book, the Jean Favreau version from like five years ago, and then there's the sort of the one in the nineties uh, with like with Jay, with Jason's oh, with Jason's not the circus one. Uh, no, that one doesn't not count. I think because it's technically oh, not by Disney, right? Sorry, yeah, I, see yeah. I mean the one I've the one I'm thinking of is the Jean Favreau one, which I, I liked, but yeah, yeah. Um, so go on then, put a random five together. What are you thinking? I think, like you say, 101 Dalmatians is probably in there because it was like yep. the original like one. I think the the Beauty and the Beast one, I think, was okay. Like, it was very similar to the original. So I would maybe think that might be in there. Oh, about um, Cinderella? Hey, I've not seen that one. So I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. Mulan wasn't very good. There's obviously Maleficent, I would guess, has been there because that was like a really big film at the time. But again, not seen it. So. Yeah, it got a sequel as well. Yeah. If we were in named five, we're confident in saying. I think, you've, you, I think you have, but go on. I, I'm, I've, got my, I've got my fingers up. For our audio listeners. So 101 Dimensions, yeah. Maleficent, yep. Yep. Um, Jungle Book, one of the Jungle Books. <laughs> I don't know which one. Yeah. Whichever one, whichever, the, more, the John Favreau yeah, one. Yeah, let's say the John Favreau one. Um, 
I'd not seen the Aladdin one, but that looked awful. Um, okay. I'm trying to think if there's been like just a really good one recently that people said was decent. I think the Aladdin one might have been critically well received. I think it's critics what we're going for. So you got Malef- you got Maleficent, 101 Dalmatians, uh, Jungle Book. Beauty and the Beast, maybe. The Dumbo one was really badly received. Okay, so what are you saying? So you said that's three. Yeah, got Beauty and the Beast yeah, next. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, and then... 102 Dalmatians. <laughs> Which is, is technically counts in this list. I was just wondering whether the Lion King might just be in there. Okay, uh, Lion King. Yeah, yeah, because it was very similar, wasn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, lock it in. Okay, how do you feel you did? Badly. Badly. Yep, terrible, as per usual, yep. So you got none, right? No, none of those films were in the top five. No, they weren't in the positions. The only one you got was The Jungle Book. That was the only one that was in the top five. Uh-huh. So The Jungle Book is the highest rated, critically. It is the live-action remake with 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me because it was quite good. Number two, you didn't even mention, which was Peach Dragon, um, which is a very good film. There was, there was a live-action remake? But so uh, the remake Yeah, version. the live-action remake. Yeah, have you not seen? But, but the original was live. The original was live-action. Uh, w- but it just had an animated dragon. <laughs> well, yeah. It's still a live-action remake. This is a grey area. It's still a live-action remake. Well, yeah, but it's not a live-action version of an animated film. Live-action remakes. Because the dragon wasn't real in the remake either. <laughs> it was still an animation. <laughs> Well, oh well, the opening of Can of Worms there. Like, does Jungle Book count as an animated film? Well, exactly. Okay, it's on the list. It's on the list. It's directed by David Lowry. You know David Lowry is. You know the Green Knight that's on Amazon now. Oh yeah, Ghost Story. Ghost Story. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he directed by he directed Peach Dragon, which is why it's so good. Um, third is Cinderella. Fourth okay. is Jungle Book no. again. The, the uh, also known as Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book from the nineties, starring Jason Scott Lee. Yeah. Uh, and then fifth is Cruella. Seventy-four percent. Oh, well, I've not yeah. seen that. Um, no, I've not seen that. Oh, that was that's the recent one you were trying to think of, Alex. Yeah, because I was like, there's one recently which I felt had been like received well, but received well, but. And last place, number eighteen, is Alice Through the Looking Glass. Twenty-eight percent. Was that the sequel one, the Tim Burton sequel? Yeah. Okay, so now it's time for us to figure out what is the best song from Alice in Wonderland. I love my crap. So this is going to be quite easy. Alex, go. Um. Probably the unbirthday song, but the um, In a World of My Own was better than I remembered because I didn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm going unbirthday as well because I can't pick Beyond the Laughing Sky because it's not in the film. Yeah, Beyond the so. Laughing Sky probably would have been the best song. I probably would go with In a World of My Own. I would listen to the back. It's probably the best song, but on the unbirthday song is definitely the most memorable. So take from that what you will. So that brings it into another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know on Twitter which one you think is better. Uh, Alex, what is that Twitter handle? TSFTM pod. You can help the podcast by sharing this. And one of the places you can share this is on Reddit. But what subreddit should they pick, Ben? Uh, the Johnny Depp subreddit. <laughs> oh, God. God no, there's, there's a lot of news in there at the moment. They need a break. <laughs> you can also help the podcast by leaving us a five-star review, buying our merch, or signing up to our shiny Patreon Links to all of those is in the show notes and on social media. So all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. Remember what the doormouse said? Feed your head. And goodbye from Ben. Goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So goodbye, everybody. Bye. Hmm. But why is a raven like a writing desk? 
um, depending on how we're doing for time, I can read this poem. How long is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's seven verses. Seven, seven verses. verses. 